everyone, and welcome to Meet the Masters Only on Wedding Podcast Network. I'm your host, Robert Allen, and we have a very special master today on our Meet the Masters program. We're joined by Carolyn Geron. She's the creator and co-author of the Anti-Bride series of books and has quickly become one of my favorite people. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Robert. We've got a great podcast planned for today because I think... You know, so many people look for a way to have a wedding their way. And I know that our society has shaped the world of weddings in a certain way where we all feel as couples, engaged couples, that we've kind of got to get into this this funnel, this wedding funnel, and all get in a line and, and do it the way everyone is prescribed to do it. And, um, and we're going to take our listeners through our podcast today and prove to them that that's not the way it has to be. And that's what you're all about and Anti-Bride is all about. And we're very excited about having you with us here today. But, you know, as we always like to start our Meet the Masters, we like to kind of roll the clock back a little bit and find out, you know, where this all started. So so what made you create this Anti-Bride series? Did you always feel this way about uh, the world of weddings? When did it, you know, all click and happen for you? Well, I think who you naturally are always kind of truncates into who you're going to be as a bride. And, you know, I went to design school, so I was walking around listening to The Cure and Joy Division, going to punk shows and all that, you know, Washington, D.C. stuff. And um, I've always kind of questioned things. I went to Catholic school for 13 years and, you know, reading all sorts of um, European philosophy and being, you know, an annoying, uh, annoying girl asking, you know, all the wrong questions <laughs> to the nuns. So by the time I ended up planning my wedding, I mean, why would things change? So, um, you know, my my mom was saying, well, you have to register and you have to do this and you have to do that. And, you know, I was um, saying, well, well, why? I mean, who says? Who died and, you know, made all these rules and, you know, who's in charge of this process? Um, so, you know, I, I you know, acquiesced and said, went over to a pottery barn and, you know, started, you know, kind of moseying around looking at all the salad spinners and the, you know, salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, okay. Um, asked the sales girl, hey, I'm, I need to register for my wedding. And I was literally surrounded by, like, three or four women squealing with, the, you know, the big bridal registry book, and it had a big bow on it. I felt like I was on Let's Make a Deal or something, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I, I, I came to this conclusion that it's kind of a, a conveyor belt and a little bit of a racket. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with registering for gifts or getting on that conveyor belt. I mean, tradition is a beautiful thing, but it's not for everybody. Right. And and I think a lot of brides, because it's such an emotional period in their life, they, they you know, they feel like, like they don't use their better judgment. You know, I find that that a lot of brides kind of get into this fog where they're they're kind of drawn into the, the in quotes, the way it should be. Well, when, they hand over you know, their power. Um, they, you know, I know so many women that are just sassy and cool and, you know, great style, great fashion, you know, smart, well-written, well-spoken. And then when it comes to weddings, they turn into, like, zombies. It's like, 
you know, invasion of the body snatchers. Like, all of a sudden, all the taste they had, all the fashion they had, all the wonderful humor and sense of individuality they had is handed over to a wedding planner, a stylist, um, a somebody with the name wedding attached to it. And these women spend a fortune on something they can kind of do themselves. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really, you know, it happens, I think, to to everyone and, and you know you just said it yourself you you know you're the one that you know said always that you know you would you don't want to do it that way and yet there you were um at a national retailer you know being set upon by by these salespeople ready to draw you into this this cult of of the bride planning you know for her wedding because that's yeah and that's I, I didn't want to overreact but at the same time um it just I guess I'm sensitive to that stuff, but it just was kind of this big red flag, like, oh, here we go. Here we go into the the tunnel, you know, the wedding tunnel, the conveyor belt. And um, and it's funny because I I wasn't really thinking anti-bride then. I was just thinking, here we go. And um, it was after I was married that I said, why in the heck does it have to be that way? I mean, there's got to be a better way. But at the same time, I think it's a common sense thing. I mean, I named it, okay? I called it anti-bride. But many, many people were already doing it anyway. They were trying to do something their way. They just didn't have, you know, a a colonized kind of space to do it in. Like, there was no philosophy attached to it. Like, I I can't say I invented it because smart women are doing things their way all the time. I just named it. Right, and and kind of made people aware that you know, it's okay that there really is no rule book, that nope. this all, you know, it's all self-imposed. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it, you wonder how it all was born. Like, you know, where did this all manifest, uh, you know, into the way it should be and the way you, you know, you have to do it. But, you know, it's so true. There is no rule book. And I defy right. anyone to, to show it to me if it exists. Right. Um, you know, because th- there isn't. Now, you know, there are certain channels of information that come to uh, couples who are planning their weddings. And, and one of the, the, the first things I would think, and I know this just from experience, that, you know, a bride gets married, she runs to the local uh, newsstand and, and grabs an armful of, of magazines um, and looks there, you know, for, for lots of things, whether it be for wedding advice or, or planning advice or wedding gowns. Um, but we know that there's lots of information beyond that that mainstream source that most brides look to. What kind of things would you tell, like to tell our listeners, our brides out there, that they're not going to see between the covers of, of a, a typical wedding magazine, bridal magazine? Number one, I think that white isn't a dictum, it's a choice. And it seems like it's just this enforcement, like, you will wear white, you will wear white. And... I think white is not the easiest color to wear for a lot of body types and skin types. If you're not rail thin, you can look like a belted cream puff. And, you know, I'm, I tend towards readiness because um, I've got Irish blood in me, and white just makes me look like, you know, it <laughs> exacerbates it. Right. And as well, I think that whole, you know, the virginal white thing, most people who are getting married are living together. So it's actually representing something that's completely outdated in these times when, you know, you're cohabitating or, you know, you've been with someone for three or four years and obviously you're not a virgin. So right. wear whatever color you want. I think color 
the best color for your wedding day is a color that celebrates everything that you have that's va-va-voom. Right. I mean, you know, I think of, of that and, you know, I'm just thinking rainbow, you know what I mean? It's, it's all about, you know, color and life. That's the way we see, you know, the world, you know, uh, we don't see it as, as a, a plain white canvas. It's, you know, it's what we well, build my, on. My, yeah. And, and one of my like huge, huge value acts, and I'm, I level this against, you know, the mainstream bridal media is, how come you never see a woman of color on a magazine cover? It's always a blue-eyed blonde with, you know, Biff, the, uh, you know, the hedge fund manager. And right. <laughs> they're always on the cover, and they're blissfully happy. I've never seen an African-American woman on the cover of um, a wedding magazine. Right. When I uh, did some covers for a national wedding magazine a few years ago, we put this gorgeous Asian bride on the cover, and it was like, oh, my God. What people were saying... I've never seen that before. And I said, well, she's gorgeous right. and she should be there. Right. And I think that, you know, Indian brides, like Latina brides, like, and it shouldn't be the Latina bride goes on the Latina bridal magazine. Right. She should be on mainstream media. Covers. Exactly. Exactly. I think, and it, you know, it, it would be so refreshing to, to be witness to that. Um, you know, and I think certainly the backlash, if there is a backlash comes from within the industry, you know, the dyed in the wool kind of philosophy of, you know, how dare you when I think the general public would be welcoming that as a refreshing change. Right. I think you go into borders, all those wedding magazines, they're all blue eyed blondes and I happen to be a green eyed blonde and I'm not saying this to be politically correct. I, I absolutely celebrate, you know, like Indian jewelry and, you know, the, the henna painting and, you know, you know, the beautiful tool, like colored skirts, salsa dancing. I mean, excitement, you know, that's what I like. I like spicy flavor in fashion and in food and in music. And I mean, the best things are generally, you know, on the shores of other countries. Right. So I say we celebrate it. Absolutely. Now, do you ever get the reaction from people when they look at, you know, your books, you tell them, you know, and you say anti-bride, that you're against weddings? Oh, absolutely. You know, that it's, you know I mean, that oh, would yeah. be like the I kind of the, the, the first reaction. How dare you? How would you be against weddings? You know, but it's not about that at all. It's just mm-hmm. kind of. It's, it's about the anti-wedding industrial complex and right. it's just asking questions. And it's funny. I liken it to you know, a Sex Pistols album, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, the, 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 what the bark is, is worse than the bite. Um, you know, you look anti-bride and it's so reactionary sounding, but when you crack open the book, it's really common sense. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's... stepping away from traditional weddings for some is a scary thing to do. Where do you think the, the real pressure comes from? It comes from you internally because if, if you're the sort of person that needs all that validation and you need to follow rules and it makes you more comfortable, then go with God, you know. Go ahead and follow, you know, the yellow brick road. It's, it's good for you and it makes your life easier. Um, but if you are going to listen to all the woulds, coulds, and shoulds and you're going to internalize it and it's going to cause you stress, then I have to say it's self-imposed because you need to be the filter for what you're available to do and what you're not available to do. And if you're not willing to do that for yourself, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm pretty adamant about what I will and won't do. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. I I think it it it's just 
you know, what I've seen over the years, I think it just it is so much more difficult for people to keep rational when planning a wedding because it is so emotional um, that it's that, you know, it, it's such a problem. Is there a, you know, a common problem that, you you know, one that you see um, more often than others that that you help people, you know, come to grips with and, and solve? Well, from the emails I get, and I get them from Facebook and MySpace and just regular email because my email, my personal email for the book series is on my anti-bride website. People email me all the time and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I waved your book around in front of my mother-in-law and she shut up. Or, you know, (laughs) I used some of the ideas in there and they were awesome. Or I didn't have a lame wedding because of you. I've got a whole folder full of them. And you know, I don't know if it's me if, or they need to thank somebody. It's it's always them. The power goes back to them because they decided to do something that celebrates what they want to do and what their groom wants to do because never forget, the guy's a huge part of this. And it's not all about, you know, being a tool-covered cupcake. It's about, hey, you know, do you want the guy to just show up in a tux and, and behave himself or do you want to have a fabulous, you know, outdoor picnic with, you know, a salsa band and, you know, micro-brewed beer and, you know, an amazing, you know, homemade wine and, you know, is that going to make him happier too? You know, or or is a, a wedding at the Four Seasons going to make him happier? I mean, he gets to weigh in. So. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And I think it's not only important for the obvious reasons of, you know, wanting to have a balanced relationship, but I think ultimately the couples who go through this process together as partners and are making decisions together ultimately have more successful weddings. Oh, totally. You know, I, I just think that that is, is the bottom line. And I think for our, our, our guys who are listening, it's our responsibility to step up. We should just not expect that our, our brides are the ones that are, are supposed to be planning all of this. I, I think that it's up to, to, to guys to step up and to, to offer to help and to be actively involved in it. I think ultimately they'll be happier uh, in the end. There'll be less surprises, certainly, um, down the when road. the bills come in. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to several, you know, some of my friends in the financial industry, they actually have bought these for other guy friends. And they're like, give this to your wife. It'll save you a lot of money. And it's not a bargain hunter's guide. So the philosophy is, is not from a fiscal place, but the common sense aspect of anti-bride does make it a fiscally responsible choice. And um, one of my hedge fund buddies said every time one of his daughters gets married, it's like driving a Bentley off a cliff. Yeah. And he's, he's from, you know, old school world of money. So I think it's pretty funny, a little bit sexist, but, um, you know, I think the guys need to keep, you know, tabs on their finances too, especially if the girl needs a Vera Wang. Right. Those dresses can be $10,000. Exactly. You wear it one day. Exactly. You know, so in talking about, uh, you know, money in general, the M word, as I know you like to put it, how do couples start to think about getting a handle on that? You know, you talked about how, you know, you're supposed to be conscious of the costs, but as anyone who's already planned a wedding knows, that's the first thing that gets out of control is the budget. So how do you, you know, even begin to kind of get a handle on it? Well, getting a handle on the budget starts with who's, who's paying for what. If uh, your dad runs 
a huge law firm in Manhattan, and he has to invite all the partners and the wives and the children, then, you know, if God's paying, then you got to acquiesce. You have to, you know, you have to roll with it. I'm a big fan of that. I mean, actually, if whoever's paying for it, you you got to actually give in a little bit. You can't say, no, Dad, I don't want all your partners from the law firm. I think that's just rude. But if you really want to do it your way, you're going to have to kick down some, some cash. You, yeah. you yourself, you and, you and your guy, because um, if you want an intimate wedding, if you want 20 people there, you can't just you know say, oh, I'll take all your money, Dad, and... I do everything I want. Right, because you know, as as anyone who is in, involved with weddings professionally or has experienced in planning one, there's a direct correlation between that guest list and the cost of the wedding. And, Absolutely. You know, any expert will tell you that when you you know you need to start get, to get a handle by controlling that that guest list. Yeah, if you don't control the guest list, it's over. Game over. Uh, the whole obligation thing about the guest list, you really have to figure out what kind of a wedding you want. Uh, Laurent and I wanted something small and manageable, and we didn't want social obligation people at our wedding. And we, by the way, we did a city hall um, kind of commitment ceremony, and then we had three cocktail parties. We had uh, one in, you know, right, right outside of Washington, D.C., where my parents lived, at their home. We had one in Paris at his family's home, and then we had one in San Francisco at a really groovy little cocktail lounge. And I don't think there were more than 60 people at each event. And it was very manageable. And I think when it gets over 100 people, it gets really hard to even talk to all of them, and then it becomes an obligation, and then you're not having as much fun But for me. So um, if there were 200 people at my wedding, I wouldn't. I'd have an anxiety attack. It would be like going to a you know Web 2.0 event or something. Right, and you know it's interesting. You know, you just said something very important. I think, and and that a lot of couples overlook the importance of being able to interact on some level with everyone who's there at your wedding, and just working out the math in in taking a wedding of two hundred or three hundred or four hundred people, the amount right. of time it would actually take you. To just say hello and spend one minute with with someone, just there's not enough time in the right, night that's already to do it. Four hundred minutes. Yeah, it's just you just can't do it. It's just there's just physically not enough time, and I, I think so many couples, um, you know, feel like they've got to to have people, you know, the have to invites, but will ultimately impact on how they experience the day because I know just for Holly and I, we, you know, we would have loved to have 50 or 60 people at our wedding. Uh, that would have been how, you know, if we could draw it out, you know, ourselves of how we would want it, but you couldn't do that. And I think a lot of what I've heard over the years in terms of regret, if they have regret was they would have wanted a smaller, more intimate wedding. I hear that constantly. Uh, I hear that more than anything. Yeah. I mean, it, right? it's my crazy, wedding yeah. was a blur. My wedding was a blur, and I, I, I've heard it so many times. I've had a nickel for every time. I'd have a beach house. Yeah. Um, and it's a blur because there's too many people to deal with, and you have more people, you have more energy, you have more expenditure, you have more conversations, you have less quality time with the people that matter to you. And, you know, Laurent and I decided to invite only the people that were in our lives. 
And when we had the um, the Washington D.C. event, I have a billion Irish cousins. We have big families on the East Coast, especially when you're Irish, for all the obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, who did we invite? My college friends that I keep in touch with. I didn't invite all of them because some of them I'd lost touch with, so they weren't in my life. That was the rule. Right. That's the rule we agreed to. And then as far as the relatives. I couldn't invite everyone. That would be 200 people again, just like my sister's wedding. Right. I think it was like her wedding was closer, maybe 125, 150. But uh, nonetheless, they had to rent the Naval Officers Club like all of my cousins do and the whole dog and pony show. And what, you know, I asked my parents, who are in your life? Well, their best friends who I love and have a relationship with, we invited some of the next door neighbors a couple of uncles that I keep in touch with, right. that keep in touch with my parents. It was so easy when you worked off that one. Right, yeah. and it Very just, manageable. Yeah, and logically it makes sense, yep. you know, but it, it, it's, you know, I think it's it's a way that people, um, you know, kind of, and, and I, but, you know, in thinking about your own experience, did you get hassled at all? Did anyone get pissed off? It was funny because I, I told my mom who's, you know, she's, East Coast, you know, Irish Catholic, you know, went to Catholic school her whole life, just like I did. And she was a little bit edgy about having to tell some of the relatives that this is what Carolyn and Laurent want. I said, blame it on me. Mm. Blame the bouncer. You know, right. I'm the one that wants something small and intimate. Like one of my, um, you know, member of our family, they've got like six kids. And then each of the six kids have, like, six kids. Right. So right off the bat, one whole family is, like, 50 people. Right. Or more. Right. And, and you have to, you know, you have to keep in mind that it's, you're multiplying everything. So that not only is that another table. It's another of, 100 bucks. It's another hundred. It's another centerpiece. It's it's more uh, wet. It's more wedding favors if you're going to have that. It's more invitations. It's you know it it's it's multiplied at every level in right. terms of cost. It's it's people that you know you have to you have to keep control of, and I, I think that's one of the things that that couples you know would really really benefit from you know, heeding that advice. Because let me tell you, anyone who's been married for more than five years, go back and redo your list now. See how many people that, are on that brilliant list. brilliant because, you know? you know, there were even some people that um, came to my San Francisco party that I, I don't have any problem with, but they kind of faded out into the netherworld. Um, still love them, still remember the good times, but they're somewhere else now. And we're like, we just don't keep in touch. And right. that's the way life is. Every yeah. 10 years, a lot of people hit reset when they you know, do career changes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some friends are situational. Some friends are for life. Right. That's the journey of life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 you know, and I think it should be treated that way with, with a wedding, you know, that inner circle, you know, and you know who that is needs to be there. And, you know, that's, you know, that's going to create just such a good vibe and a good atmosphere. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately, you know, like we said before, a more successful wedding, right. certainly. Um, now, let's let's go through, you know, some of the, the, the myths and some of the, the other components because, you know, weddings, you know, blanket a, a very large space in someone's life when, when they're planning it. And there are certain, you know, some things that, you know, you, um, you know, 
can deal with in a different way being the anti-bride and we know you love weddings but you love them in a different way um you know some of the things that i wanted to talk about what about like um things like bachelorette parties you know you, you there's so many you know bachelorette parties in my mind fall under that you know, kind of cliche category in weddings. Like when you, you think of a bachelor party, a bachelorette party, you know, there are certain things that you're picturing in your mind that happen. But again, you know, these other components that are attached to the wedding, again, there are no rules for them. They don't have to be a certain way. Um, what are some of the ways that you see that things as simple as a bachelorette party can kind of expand into the anti-bride world? Okay, that, that's pretty easy. Well, I personally did not have one. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I didn't have one because, uh, you know, I have a lot of guy friends, number one. And I figured if I was going to have a bachelorette party, it would be more like a bachelor party. I'd probably go shoot pool somewhere and have a couple of beers. But, um, you know, I have a couple of very close girlfriends. Uh, one of them's in, actually, my, my very best friend is in Pennsylvania. I'm not going to drag her out here. And, um, you know, it just, <laughs> number one, there weren't like, you know, a million women. And number two, I just didn't see the sense of doing some kind of hen party. It kind of seemed, uh, it didn't seem right for me. But there's other women that totally want to bond with their, with their ladies, and I'm a big fan of that, as long as it's bonding to bond and not like let's go to Vegas and get wasted, you know. Like that to me isn't bonding. That's just hoochie mama stuff. Right. And um, I like. Uh, what do I like? What would I do? Because I, I do have some wonderful women friends. What would I like to do with my wonderful women friends? I would like to go to surf camp. I think surf camp would be awesome. Right. I went to surf camp, and it was so much fun. And with a group of women, you can only imagine how much fun that would be. Sure. And um, and I love to surf, and I want to improve. So it's a healthy activity. You're outside. Um, you're improving your skills. And then at night, of course, have a glass of wine, make some yummy food, um, rent a beach house together, you know, get a bunch of trashy movies, like 80s films, like Pretty in Pink or Flashdance and play punk rock and cook together and give each other pedicures, like... That would be fun. Right. But, you know, going to Napa and spending a fortune and the whole spa thing, which is such the rage now, let's go to a spa in Napa for the weekend. That can run you a thousand bucks. Right, right. Same with Vegas. Like, some of the rooms are 350 unless you want to stay in, like, Circus Circus. So, if you want to stay at the Wynn, which is awesome, the rooms are, like, 350. Right. So, it's all about being together with the people you love. How do you feel about these co-ed bachelor bachelorette parties? I think they're great because, yeah. frankly, yeah. I have a mix of men and women friends. And I love that whole idea of, like, having, like, a cocktail party or, you know, a picnic or, um, you know, anything that involves, you know, being outdoors together, going on a camping trip together. I think that's really cool. Right, because I think also as couples, and and I think the trend certainly, you know, we see a wedding podcast network is, you know, couples are not getting married at twenty one and twenty two years old. They're getting not married and, and they're older, and and even 
you know, a lot of situations exist where there's a handful of single friends in a group of friends that might have gotten married five or ten years ago and are at different points in their life. And I think those choices affect that, you know, like you wouldn't have the same type of party as you might if you were all a bunch of, you know, younger, you know, 20 somethings versus 30 somethings. Yeah, well, 30-somethings will be all, they'll be drinking wine together and maybe getting sushi together. So whether they're married or single, they're still at the same kind of demographic of lifestyle. Right. And I think it should kind of, I mean, so many times, and I think you were kind of alluding to this, you know, we don't adhere, and, and this holds true for the wedding, we don't adhere to our lifestyle, in this, you know what I mean? It's like we're kind right. of stepping out of ourselves when we really should be more ourselves than right. ever in this situation. Um, and I think that carries over like a bachelor or bachelorette party should be more in tune to what your lifestyle is than what you might have been doing 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Right. It's, it's not the 50s. It's not like, you know, you hang out with, you know, four to six women at all times, go to the malt shop, you know. <laughs> go to beauty school together it's not like the movie Grease I mean I have men and women friends I've been married you know for a while and I still hang out with some of my men friends and you know go to like networking events and I have friends in my industry that are men that I would totally invite to if I were going to do it again you know a co-ed bachelorette bachelor party yeah well talking about your your guy friends and we touched on this a little bit before how you know how are men um reacting to this whole anti-bride series. I, I would have to imagine it's very attractive to guys because I, I think guys think more like the anti-bride than most brides do. Well, uh, guys love it, and they actually thank me for it. And um, I've, I've sent out several sets to several of my guy friends, and you know, it starts out being the fiscal part that they love, and... Um, you know, the, the getting her off the ledge about the Vera Wang and the Barbie wedding and the whole, you know, money conveyor belt piece of the wedding. But what ultimately happens is uh, the think for yourself piece of it, and the philosophical part of it, mm-hmm. is, is which celebrates the individuality and creativity is where the rubber hits the road because this is where the guy says, let's have a Zydeco band, let's have a barbecue, let's have, you know, wine and, you know, ice you know, I filled bathtubs. Let's let's not wear a tux. You know, let's have some fun. Right. And and that's where they get excited because then, you know, they've been to so many of their friends' weddings and they they rent the tux to be the best man or the attendant, and it's you know same town different day, same hotel different day. Thanks for the flask and the boxer shorts. Um, every wedding's the same. But what? But, you know, why? I, I just don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, I you know, and, and we do start to see a little bit more now of the individuality. But I think it, we're so susceptible as a society to fall back into this, this rut of, of having to do it. Maybe it's because it's easy. Do you think that's part of it? Is it because it's, it's easier it. to do it the same yeah. way? Well, it's easy and it's hard because following a recipe is easy. But I don't usually follow recipes. I'll say, eh, it doesn't ask for basil, but I'm going to add it in anyway, and then it turns out better, right? Right. So I think when you add yourself in and you get in the habit of 
that's just my manifesto anyway. It's just I like to do things my way, and it doesn't come from a place of control. It comes from a place of, like, improving and having a more enhanced and individual experience. And, you know, my husband's the same way. He's, you know, head designer at Williams-Sonoma, very creative person, but he also is French, and he, you know, how the French are. They like to do things their way, and, and it it's all about celebrating the things that you like, you're handing over good money. You may as well have exactly what you want, right? Makes sense. Yeah. It really makes sense. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that really couples need to um, to take that advice. Now, let's talk a little bit about just kind of the whole wedding experience and, 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 and under this anti-bride umbrella. What, you know, if you had to kind of visualize um, what an anti-bride wedding might feel or look like? What are some of the, the things that might stand out that maybe could be um, easier things to incorporate to kind of represent that, you know, going against the flow without, you know, upsetting, uh, you know, everyone or looking like a, a freak or it's just something doing it just for the, the wow factor? How would that, how would that anti-bride wedding look or feel? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I think that if you're doing a wedding to impress somebody else, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. So as far as the wow factor or the show-off factor or the I want to make a splash factor or I want to be validated factor by being, you know, a freakazoid, you're doing it for the wrong reason. But, for instance, if you're in a rockabilly band, like I, I have a very good friend of mine, Alicia Falongo, who's a wedding planner in San Francisco, and she's awesome. Um, she did a rockabilly wedding, and you know it was like an iron and ink crowd, and they had like all these really cool muscle cars, and guys were wearing like brocade jackets and lots of tattoos, and they had you know portraits done under a horseshoe, and you know really cool like 50s food, and you know okay it's a little theatrical, but these people are in bands, they're in the music industry, so you would expect something a little less predictable, right? Right. And, and, and they're authentic because they walk the walk Monday through Friday. Right. So they're, in my opinion, they can do whatever the heck they want. So yeah. I think that's that's one one way. Um, there was another wedding I went to that I absolutely loved. Um, uh, my friends um, Julie Slinger and Gary Huckabee had a great wedding, and it was on um, in Stanford area. And they basically have all these creative friends in San Francisco, chefs, DJs, um, you know, artists, designers, interiors, people, architects. And they asked as a gift, cook us your best dish. That's what we want as a gift. Wow. So therefore, they completely eliminated the food problem. So they, you know, tricked out mom and dad's house with the cool outdoor um, commodes where they hung candles inside and you know, flowers, and everybody brought their most gourmet dish. And I will tell you, I've never had food like I've had at this wedding. There were, you know, oysters in bathtubs, homemade beer, homemade wine, just the most outlandishly luxe food you've ever had. And it was a brilliant way to get around the whole um, the food issue. Right. What are we going to serve? We're going to serve everything. Sure. European delicacies, African delicacies. I mean, it. I, we were eating until six in the morning. Wow! I think I gained five pounds in one day. <laughs> I think I gained three just listening to you. It was amazing. So, I mean, that that was one wedding I heard of. There was a, another friend of mine, Blade Spence. She was a founding member of Wired magazine, 
and she is Wiccan, mm-hmm. and she had this uh, druid kind of, um, uh, I think it's called um, hand fasting, where mm-hmm. you actually join your beloved, where they they tie a, a rope around both of your hands, and you become joined. And they had it in the woods, same deal, like everybody cooked. Um, she wore this gorgeous dress, my friend um, Wendy Carter of um, Bouffant Brides made for her. And um, it was in the Redwood Forest. And, um, you know, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and I think, you know, as you're describing all of this, because obviously you're a guest and you're describing it as a guest, but it's such a wonderful experience for your guests. And I think, you know, I try to think sometimes, you know, who who is the bride afraid of? Is the bride afraid of her guests? Is the bride afraid of her parents? Is she afraid of herself? You know, when making these these um, non-traditional decisions, like what is the fear there? Like, you know, of people... Fear of acceptance. You know, yeah, people will gasp, oh my gosh, I have to stand out in the woods, you know? Or does it become a memorable experience that you can actually pick out when you're thinking about the two dozen weddings you might have been to, you know, right. how many do you remember? The ones I remember you know? are the ones that are really different. And, you know, the ones that I don't remember are the ones that are really the same. And yeah, it's just kind of human basic. nature. That's it. How does it, it just does, it all becomes a blur. You know, like when we cover bridal market and we see, you know, a, a thousand dresses over the course of three days, you know, we remember the ones that are, are just a bit different or presented differently. Uh, because they stand out. It, it's just, that's the way it is. So, you know, personalization, I think, is is just so, so important. Um, um, but, you know, that pressure comes from a lot of people. And, I, and, you know, being in the wedding business for so long, you know, you hear this. It seems that once you get engaged, everyone is giving you advice. Well, I, I have an answer for that one. Just don't tell anybody. Hide the engagement from them. That's what I did. That's I didn't want solution. to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the questions. I was running a design firm downtown. I was busy. And I said, I'm not going to tell anyone anything until two months before we decide to have our parties. And then it was just like the floodgates opened. And it was just like, ah, I was hiding under the couch. Right. My mother was freaking out. She was just like, we only have two months. And I knew she would be freaking out if I told her six months before, a year before, two years before. Right. The same reaction would have happened. If I give her right. two months, she can only freak out for two months. And I don't have to right. deal with it for two months. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome. I mean, she was, you know, uh, she's deceased now, but she was so sweet. She did a great job. But she wasn't used to having so short of a time in right. which to pull something off. Right. And it was only... And I say this lightly, only a home wedding. Home weddings take a lot of work. You've got to get the house up to snuff and get the caterer lined up and, you know, the, the bartenders lined up and all of that. But it's a heck of a lot easier than doing something at the Four Seasons. Yeah, overall. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And, and you can't duplicate the feeling of a wedding at home anywhere but at home. I loved it. When we were in Paris, um, you know, Laurent's family has this, beautiful um um flat and it overlooks the eiffel tower and uh it's just the floor-to-ceiling windows and you just look out and there's the eiffel tower i mean how romantic is that yeah it sounds terrible you know, past hors d'oeuvres and champagne yeah. and 
you know, cocktail dress, and everybody was dressed up. Everybody looked fabulous, like Town & Country Magazine fabulous, but we weren't in a church, and we right. weren't in this drafty reception hall. Right. And everybody felt really comfortable, and I got to meet his family. Mm. Right, which wonderful. you would. Right, which if you had one event in one place, you wouldn't have that mix. No. Yeah, yeah. No. So let's. So now it's interesting as I'm thinking about you know the three parties in in different places in different countries. How did it look? Like you know your dress. You know it went from all. You know it, it's well traveled. Your dress. Right. You know it fit into all of the all of the parties. Like it worked totally. for well, everything. Designed it this way. We said, easy breezy, we're doing a wedding tour. And we did a wedding tour only because the French have large families. Mm-hmm. You know, two of his brother and sister had like babies, um, children underfoot, toddlers. It was silly for me to bring, you know, 25 of them over here. It's just easier for two of us to go over there. Right. So uh, what, what I did is I had my friend, you know, Wendy Carter. Uh, Buffon cocktail, whipped me up a beautiful couture gown, um, cocktail gown, and it was um, like navy silk, and it was just beautiful. It still fits, actually. I can still wear it. And uh, a gorgeous coat with a faux fur collar, um, just couture, hand-stitched, you know, 40s glass buttons. It was just beautiful. It's still beautiful. I'm wearing it 10 years later. Um, And it traveled well. I mean, I took it everywhere and just steamed it out in the bathroom, threw it on again. I wore the same dress and same coat to all the events. Yeah. And that's very, you know, to me, that's very anti-bride. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a 60s Bond girl cocktail dress with, like, super cool jewelry. and, And I still have the jewelry. I mean, I still have everything. So everything, every penny that I spent on that day... I'm still wearing the shoes. I'm still wearing the necklace. I'm still wearing the chandeliers. I can still wear the dress. They're still in fashion because they're they're super cool, like 60 shapes, very constructed, very flattering. And God willing, I'll stay the same size, which is a size <laughs> eight. And I'm hoping I'll stay the same size for the next 20 years. But uh, I'm a big fan of, like, you can wear it again. We were talking before we started to record about some sticky situations. Oh my God! Share, share with us. Some, oh. uh, well, there's so many. You can you can just go off, you know, the deep end. But the the best one I heard was a lot of times, and I'm not knocking parents, but sometimes they're like, "Yay, we're at a wedding. We're gonna let little Bobby, you know, run around with the other little kids, and we're gonna party." And this happens a lot. The parents are at the wedding. There's some, you know, person that the bride and groom have hired to kind of corral the kids, like one, like, 16-year-old girl that has to watch over maybe, you know, 15 little kids, assuming they let kids into the wedding. And this little monster, you know, he was running around, he was hopped up on sugar, and he went, like, smashed into the cake table. And nobody was watching him because mom and dad were getting loaded. (laughs) So, um... You know, the question, sticky situation is, what do you do when little Bobby's running loose at your reception and the parents are MIA? What you immediately need to do. Because, well, the thing is, you know the kid's going to run into the cake table. It's only a matter of time. Or he's going to get himself hurt. He's going to go straight to the cake table because it's the biggest thing in the room. And it's, 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 
exciting to look at, right? Right. So the wedding consultant or, or, you know, maid of honor must immediately alert the parents that the child almost toppled the cake. And I also say, if she has to lie and say, I saw your child running straight toward the cake, and it would be just tragic if the cake was knocked over by your kid. And, you know, if that doesn't send ice water running through your veins, I don't know what will. Because you'll be forever known as the couple that was not watching their kid at the wedding getting loaded, and the right. kid knocked the cake over. Right. You will forever be that person uh-huh. in, the, in the bride and groom's life. Yeah. And they will not be happy about it. That was like the most egregious thing I'd ever heard because a lot of people just don't watch their kids when they go to parties. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very easy to uh, to to have them slip out of your mind, you know, and think that you know it's just it's just okay. But it's so important. You bring up such a, a great point. If you see something, you have to stop it. You have to say something before it becomes a problem that will forever be the thing that people remember because had that kid knocked that cake over and split his head open at the same time well guess what becomes the memory of that wedding exactly (laughs) it's going to be one of those oh my god our friends from college's kid ruined our wedding if you're really the sort of person that like subscribes to that that sort of like blame game but you got to just kind of but it but for instance if you were having like some cool outdoor picnic and you had like a southern cake room where everybody came in and brought like pies and cakes and you know cupcakes and all sorts of fun stuff to eat and the kid runs in there and like knocks over a tray of cupcakes no big deal depends on how you want to dial it down on the stress level exactly because it it doesn't you know doesn't nearly have the impact as uh you know as the wedding cake uh, ending up on the floor yeah. Uh-uh. Right. That right. just that freaks me out just talking about it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> unless you're the unless you're the type of bride who could care less and say, yeah, ah, if you, you know. do so, see, yeah, if you want to do something, I'm all about the chilled out thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, another sticky situation is the whole relative putting you on the spot about inviting someone you have no intention of inviting, and what. What that will do is it'll kick off a whole series of, especially if you have a lot of brothers and sisters, but you're inviting Linda, why can't we invite our kid? And then it becomes this infighting thing. Right. And it kicks off a domino effect of half-twos, shoulds, woulds, and, and, I, and I don't like them. So I'm a big fan of letting the fire marshal be your bouncer. Pick a space that will absolutely prevent any altercation of the guest list. Say, I'm sorry, the space we've picked only allows for 75 people. And mm-hmm. the fire marshal has you know, basically prevented us from inviting even one more person. And out of fairness, if I'm going to invite Linda, I have to invite Tom, Bobby, Susan, and Kate. Mm-hmm. And that will put us over our limit. So let the fire marshal be your bouncer. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it's just so unfortunate that, that people put other people in that situation. It's like, why do you yeah. do that? Are they that stupid, you know, or insensitive? You know, I, I think, just don't get uh, it. I think a lot of people just try to get one over. And I think, especially between family members, lots of transgressions and oversights and assumptions can occur. And as long as you just stay true to yourself, to thy own self be true, big fan of that, just because I have no problem saying no. 
And a lot of people know that about me. Like, I don't like to put myself in situations where I'm uncomfortable or I'm doing something I don't like. I don't have a lot of free time. The free time I do have, I like to spend with people I care about in, in an event that's meaningful or a situation that's meaningful, being at dinner with a friend or going surfing or any decision I make about my time has to be my own decision. I don't like it to be someone else's. And, yeah. Or my husband and I. You know right. what I'm saying. But, you know, do you find, though, that people let you off the hook? You know what I mean? Like, cause so, I like think I, that people, anyone who's used to you being you shouldn't be surprised by your, I'm sorry, we, I, I can't. Right. But I like I, one thing like for me is I like to let people off the hook. I don't like to because I know that, you know, people like if I don't get invited somewhere, I'm like, that's cool. No problem. You know, oh, it's yeah, no absolutely. big deal. It's I like, mean, you know, I, I hate that when people are like, you know, they hassle you. You're like, I can't do it. I'm like, OK, no problem. I, I always like to p- let people off the hook. I don't I don't like to make people feel bad, you know, because they made a decision. Listen, you make a decision. Everyone's got their own reasons. Just right. go with it, you know. I mean, I agree. That's that. You know, that's life. Don't don't make people miserable because they had to make a decision. You know, if you have unlimited funds and you're in a football stadium and you can invite the whole world, you invite the whole world. I'm a big fan but of human rights. I mean, I'm you know, I, I'm a big fan of people standing up for what they want to do with their time. And you know, to that point um, about you know making decisions about you know who you want at your wedding. We've had some major milestones out here in California with the whole same-sex thing right? Um, and commitment ceremonies and, and, and um, being able to get married, finally. And I was witness to, you know, um, same-sex couples, like, going around the block um, in wedding attire in San Francisco outside City Hall. And I was just so happy to see that finally they were allowed to to be with the person they love. Yeah. Now, with that comes even more family pressure and, you know, grandparents and uncles and aunts that say, how could you love a man or how could you be in love with a woman and how could you do this to us? Well, you're not doing it to anyone. You're celebrating your union. Right. So my opinion on that, and I've been vocal about this in the books and in the press, is whoever doesn't support your decision is kindly... You know, ask to step aside. You're not uninviting them, but what you are saying, I love you very much, and I totally respect your opinion, but I want you to also respect mine right. and honor honor my commitment and honor my, my spouse because this person is going to be in my life forever. And if you can't support that, then maybe you might be uncomfortable at my commitment ceremony. Right, right. And it's all about it's good vibes. It's your choice. It's yeah. your choice if you don't want to be there. I'm not uninviting you. Right. But I want you to be there because you want to be there. Right. For the right reasons, with the right attitude, with the right that, frame of mind. That supports our commitment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting because I think in um, in same-sex uh, relationships, um, that that bond becomes so strong because society is always trying to pull it apart. I mean, they're the ultimate you know? anti-bride. Yeah. They have had to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I know as, you know, videographer for 23 years, I have to say that um in my top 5 most emotional wedding ceremonies that I've ever videotaped uh is a same-sex ceremony uh mm-hmm. that I did with two men and definitely in my top 5 is you know, in as most emotional ceremonies 
that uh, that I've ever shot in my career. Um, wow. You know, so it's, you know, listen, we're in a, a horrible world right now, the way things are. You know, if there's love, embrace it, you know. Absolutely. That's it. There's too much hate out there. Um, Absolutely. You know, if there's love, it's a good thing, you know, and... Um, you know, but listen, that's that's not the reality of, of the situation. But, you know, certainly making uh, strides in that direction uh, is important. Now, talk a little bit about you've got a, a, a wonderful relationship with um, uh, with, you know, a, a, an entity that that we uh, certainly feel very strongly about. Uh, Destination. I do magazine. Yeah, um, Jennifer and Stein. I. We're, we're... If we were if we were gay, we'd be in love. I yes. love Jennifer Stein, publisher, Destination I Do. She is my partner in crime. I met her in 2005 when she got the book series. She bought the book series, and she said, I have to interview you, and we just hit it off. It's like we'd known each other for like a million years, and we realized that we had very similar uh, missions. Um, she's all about the romance road less traveled, and I'm the anti-bride. And so, I, you know, I asked her after the interview, I said, uh, I'd love to write for you. I mean, you're, we have a lot of similar ideas. And, you know, going strong three years later, we're doing all sorts of fun stuff. Um, you know, we're probably going to be doing a, you know, a party with the W Hotel. And, you know, we're talking to um, the Avant Guides. We're working with you wonderful people at Wedding Podcast. And, you know, just bringing, you know, innovative, you know, interesting ideas that are out of the box to brides and, and, and making it more meaningful as well as just more exciting and interesting and individual and celebrating that part of their lives and their ceremony and, and helping it be, you know, everything they've dreamed of it and then some because it's, it'll be one of those weddings that people remember. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's great. Jennifer is, uh, she's really uh, special and, and, and so are you and we can certainly Aww. see how how you guys uh, connect and and we really do value uh, the, those relationships I uh, wanted to let our listeners know to stay tuned uh, in a few minutes we'll let you know how you can get your hands on uh, some of Carolyn's books we've got uh, a little giveaway so so, so stay tuned uh, before we wrap up give us just a, a couple of, of quick things that you can uh, impart upon uh, our listeners who are anti-bride wannabes that finally feel this sigh of relief after listening to you saying that it's okay to be the anti-bride and uh, you'll still be a good person. Um, you can what respect some... yourself in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, 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 just say, I just say I named it. I don't know if I invented it, but I definitely named it. I think there's a lot of women out there that are totally original and, and they've got lots of style and sass, and you all know who you are. And, and, you know, by whatever name you call it, it's just the idea is to be individual and creative and to thine own self be true. And as long as you follow that one little sentence, you will have the wedding that you've always wanted because it'll be the wedding that you imagine and dream. And, and that's, you know, all you, could, all you could ever want. Great. And then you can officially wear the anti-bride badge proudly. Yes. Uh, being part of of the sorority of uh, the anti brides, the anti sorority. Uh, that's it, exactly, exactly. But uh, I was not in a sorority. So. <laughs> well, then you can say that. 
I was actually in a few sororities, but that's another podcast. Oh, that's um, a whole other topic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we're we're sitting here with with some of your books that we are going to to give away. The uh, we've got anti bride etiquette guide, um, the anti bride guide, which I love the tying the knot outside of the box book, and your wedding planner. All of the, Absolutely, uh, the and you tools. can also go onto the website um, www.antibride.com. We have a community; we're building it up, and it's um, it's a social community, and all sorts of fun stuff are going to be happening over the next couple months. So, would love to hear from you. My email's right on there. If you have any Great. questions, I always answer the emails personally. Um, I love to help. I want to make sure people are not going to jump off a cliff before the big day. So it's, I feel very right. responsible here. So please you can be saved. You, you can be saved. Well, that's great. Yeah. We will of course Absolutely. have, uh, we of course will have links, uh, to your website, to your books, uh, all in the show notes. So, uh, our listeners can, can go there and, and get to you. If you would like to have a chance to win one of these fabulous books, uh, for yourself or for, a friend or a sister or a mother or a you know a groom to be uh, grooms. I, I highly recommend that you uh, you get this book, read it, and then pass it along to your bride. But if you'd like to win one, then you need to send us an email. And in the email subject line, you're going to write, "I am an anti bride," and <laughs> we will uh, enter you into a random drawing for these books uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, so you don't have to be the first one to send in. So if you're listening to this a few weeks after release, you still have a really good chance of winning. So send us an email. Our email address is feedback at the WPN.com. That's feedback at T-H-E-W-P-N.com. Or, um, well, for the for the contest, certainly you need to email us. But if you have any feedback, you can also uh, email us. Or you can call our listener hotline. Our listener hotline is 800-882-1259. You can leave us a voicemail there. Uh, we've been getting lots of emails. Uh, we do appreciate your feedback. It's uh, it's really very rewarding to hear from our listeners. If anyone out there has a specific uh, anti-bride question, send that to us as well. We'll make sure that Carolyn uh, gets that. We have been here for this Meet the Masters with the anti-bride herself, Carolyn Geron, uh, who is the co-author, the creator of the anti-bride book series. This has been enlightening for me. I love yeah, to hear. Uh, I love to hear that it is possible to swim upstream and still make it to where you're going. Um, and make have it to the a, altar. Exactly, <laughs> and have a happy wedding and a marriage to follow. So uh, it's been great, uh, as always, to uh, to chat with you. I really do appreciate you spending the time with us. And thank you so much. And I really loved being on Wedding Podcast Network. And I look forward to making more shows with you and Holly. You've been listening to Meet the Masters only on Wedding Podcast Network. I'm Robert Allen, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.